0: One of the scariest parts of starting any type of business is the idea of taking charge, of being the one that other people look to for answers, for strategy, of being the one to make all the decisions, of being the one that determines whether other people working for you have a job or don't have a job. It's so scary that it stops lots of people from ever starting a business, where if they do... They take on a partner when they really don't need to. They feel like they need someone else to be there, to help them make decisions, to tell them what to do, to be the grown-up in the business. If that's where you are, then today's interview is going to be really special for you. I'm talking with Amy Porterfield, who for years worked with other partners before realizing that depending on those other partners who were all-powerful men, was holding her back from from really spreading her wings and spreading her message the way she wanted to. This is a special, vulnerable interview that I think will be useful to everyone, but especially to women who are struggling to take charge and to feel like they can take charge and be the boss. I'm so happy to share it for you. Let's do the intro and then dive in. I'm John Morrow, and this is Breakthrough the Noise. A podcast about rising above all the noise out there, all the endless ads and content and notification and get people to pay attention to you. Not just for a moment, not just for one poster video. On this podcast, you'll learn how to create lifelong fans who hang on to every word, so you never have to break through the noise again. Hello everyone, it's John Morrow here and today I'm with one of my favorite people in the world, Amy Porterfield, who is a hero to a lot of you guys, not only because she done so much in the world of online marketing, but she's built a very successful business and podcast and has also really grown and grown and grown ever since I've known her, which has been a few years now. Do you know how long it's been, Amy?
1: I don't know how long it's been. I was thinking about our friendship and over the years, like when we first connected, it's been a while though. So I love when there are people out there in the online world that I've known for a long time and I've gotten to see do really incredible things. So it's fun that we got to see each other grow within the space.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I've always admired several things about you one of them is how you've not been afraid to grow and adapt and change i mean you also found a huge voice in your podcast yeah that's really stood out and touched a lot of people (laughs) and also i mean there's so few successful women in the digital marketing space yeah and and you fought through and made that happen for yourself and I think that makes you a genuine hero to a lot of people mm. who look at all of those challenges of not only starting an online business, but being comfortable standing out and having your voice heard and being vulnerable, which is another thing that you do. I mean, you're, you're very honest about your journey, your struggles, everything that's happened along the way. And not only have you managed to. Stay vulnerable, but you've also managed to succeed in an industry that's heavily dominated by men. And privately, I mean, other friends of mine who are women in this industry, some of the stories they tell me, it's not easy. (laughs) So there's a definite bias. And I know there are a lot of other women and men who could, who could learn a lot from you.
1: So yeah. Thank you. I appreciate you saying all that. That means a lot to me.
0: Yeah, it's
1: all, it's all true.
0: So, I mean, let's go back to kind of the beginning of your journey and and just walk through the steps. I mean, so how did you get started in in digital marketing and all of the online stuff we do these days?
1: So It's funny because it feels like a lifetime ago, and sometimes, genuinely, it feels like yesterday. The time has flown by, but about 11 years ago is when I started my own entrepreneurial journey, and... And right before that, I was working for Tony Robbins. So for yeah. six and a half years I got to travel the world with Tony and work on the content that he does on stage at like Unleash the Power Within, Date with Destiny, mm-hmm. and in some of his digital courses as well. And around the time that I was there, around the last few years I was there, we started doing live launches with his physical products. So it wasn't a digital course that we were promoting, but actually if anyone's gotten a Tony Robbins product, It was DVDs and CDs, and you get this big box in the mail. So you and I have a mutual friend. You're closer to him than I am, but Frank Kern actually came into the business because he lives in San Diego where Tony's was his headquarters, and he helped us put together a live launch with these physical products, and I got to kind of just... See how it all went down, and I thought, what the heck is this world that Frank is talking about? So I started to explore it. And then there was one fateful meeting where humble enough, I was there to take notes. I wasn't even invited to the table. I was on the side and I was taking notes for a meeting that Tony had with a bunch of internet marketers. So in the room, there was Frank Kern, there was Jeff Walker, Evan Pagan, uh, New Burchard, so many big names that we all know if you're in the industry, these mm-hmm. are guys that have been here forever. Not one woman was at that table as an internet marketer, and they went around and told Tony about their businesses. Tony was interested in these these launches people were doing online, and what does your business look like? And we had a lot of overhead at Robbins, and these guys didn't, so he was curious. So they, he went around the table, asked these guys about their businesses, and each one of them talked about freedom and lifestyle and the fact that they're able to put together a product and get it to market literally within a month or less, where that is not the case that we were <laughs> in at the time. And so uh, you could see light bulbs going off in Tony's head. But as as I listened, I'm like, what in the world? I need to know more. I want what they have. And so at the time, I looked at my girlfriend, who was a writer for Tony Robbins. And I said, I have no skill that would translate as an entrepreneur. I said, you're a writer. You could go out and you could make a living on your own without this corporate job. I said, I don't I'm in marketing and content. I didn't have any examples of anyone doing great things online with my skills but I was still curious and so a little bit of a fast-forward I asked to move to the marketing department and I asked to work on these launches. And because I had been at Robbins for so long and I had a good track record, they said yes. And there was some holes in the marketing department. So I got lucky. So I moved over there and then slowly but surely I started to ask if I could work from home. And then I asked if I could go part time so I could start my side business. And then finally I took the leap. So after about six years, that last year I slowly started to transition out and I started to consult and coach and help people with their social media. That's kind of how I got my start.
0: It's such a fascinating way to begin. And you know, it's also fascinating. I don't know if I ever told you this, but Tony hired my assistant.
1: What? I didn't know that.
0: Yeah, yeah, he did. He hired my assistant to be his personal assistant. He paid her like three times more than I was going to
1: <laughs> Was it at the time that I was there? Like, would I know this person? I don't think you would. Okay. Her name is
0: Andrea. She worked with them for three or four years. I think it was after you left.
1: It must have been. How funny. Small world, yeah. right? Small
0: world, small world. Yeah. But So that was kind of your introduction yep. to the whole world. So what happened after that? What was your first step?
1: So, when I was still working with Robbins, I got to work with Mike Stelzner of Social Media Examiner. Now, Social Media Examiner did not exist at the time and Mike Stelzner was still writing white papers and he wrote a white paper for Tony and I was the middleman. Between Tony's feedback and Mike re doing some revisions and Mike and I became really good friends. And then I kind of whispered to him that I was thinking about going on my own. And he said, Well, when you do call me because I'm starting to create this new website, I need some help. You can mm-hmm. kind of just jump in there. So I did that and I was behind the scenes with Mike and he used to take me to Blog World. So this is how long it was mm-hmm. a long, long time ago. And I'd go to Blog World with Mike Stelsner, and he was starting up social media examiner, and we would wrangle people so for him to interview on video so he'd have content for his website. So I was the wrangler running up to people like Darren Rouse and saying, like, would you be interviewed by Mike Stelsner? We would love for you to come on over here, and he'd come over. And I remember I was just in awe of all these bloggers and writers and Internet marketers. So it was a really cool time for me to be there. But here's a lesson that when I teach my students about venturing out on their own because here I was a wrangler for a guy building a website. It wasn't on my own exactly just yet, but I knew it would get my foot in the door. He eventually made me his Facebook community manager for Social Media Examiner. I started to be well-known in that world. So it was these little steps I took. I started to take clients, and and after two years, I had a bunch of clients that I would do their social media or I would coach them around social media And I hated it. I did not like having clients. So I often tease, instead of having one big boss, literally, Tony's a big guy, as we all know. (laughs) I had eight little mini bosses. I didn't know how to set boundaries. So they were bossing me around, calling me at all hours, having crazy expectations because 11 years ago, people didn't know what social media could or could not do. So Mm -hmm. they just had crazy expectations for what I could do for them online. And after two years, I said, I hate this. And I genuinely decided that what was right for me was not this type of business. I'd created a business I hated. So over the next year or so, I fired all my clients and I created my first digital course. And it happened to be that I was at Blog World. I met Lewis House. We became friends. And Lewis said, Amy, if you create a course on Facebook, because I was an expert in Facebook by then, you create a, for- a course on Facebook, I'll be your partner in it and I'll help you market it because I've got a big platform and I didn't at the time. So we partnered together, and that was my first – I had some failed attempts before that on my own, but that was my first successful course. It was called FB Influence, and it was $97, and we made more than a million dollars over the next few years with that first digital course. I remember that. I mean, that right? Was, I was going to say, you. I think you were, we had met somewhere around that time. I think
0: it was right around that time. Yeah. And I had seen some of your work with Social Media Examiner. And I mean, so here's what's what's interesting to me. So you went from behind the scenes with Tony to a little bit more in front with Michael.
1: Tiny bit.
0: Yeah, a tiny bit. <laughs> to the big step was FB influence, but you still had both. Right. They're, and they're notice you notice
1: they're all men, just for the record.
0: <laughs> they're all men. Yes. They're all men. So was that intentional or was it just you gaining What was going on there?
1: You know, not to get all crazy, strong presence with my father, meaning Mm -hmm. he was the boss of the family. He called the shots. He made the money. My mom was a stay-at-home traditional mom, and I've always been introduced to – The man is the boss. He runs the show. So when I look back at my first few years of building a business, I'm not surprised that I gravitated toward men that were kind of telling me what to do, a little bit in charge in one way or another, if I'm being honest. And I just kind of followed their lead. And so they helped me immensely. They weren't doing anything wrong, but I was still behind the scenes, very much so. And so this went on for a while, but here's the crazy thing. I started to get some traction after I worked with FB Influence. I ended up creating my own course. It was called the Profit Lab. It became a huge hit the first year I got it out there. Very profitable. And soon after that, I decided I didn't want to do this alone. And I had become really good friends with a guy that was in in my mastermind circle and a little bit of fast forward, we became business partners. So I brought a man into my business that became my business partner. He was very much behind the scenes. I was still the face of the business and he was wicked smart and so strategic and just a great guy. So it was a great experience for many years, but I had a business partner because I thought I couldn't do this alone. And I had almost made a million dollars in my business that year that I took on a business partner almost, I was like $950,000 that year, but I decided I'm going to bring them on. I'm not smart enough for this. I don't know enough about online marketing. So I brought on a business partner and we were partners for many, many years and we did huge things together. The business grew to a multi-million dollar business Uh and we split all the profits and all of that. And then there was this thing, and this is kind of more present day. We got to a point and there was some deep voice inside me that says it said i i want to do this alone there were some decisions i wanted to make there were some things i wanted to do and i just knew nothing against him i knew i was ready to go out on my own. And so we ended the partnership and it took a while and there was a lot tied into it. So without getting into details that I can't really talk about contractually, it was a long kind of drawn out thing that we had to figure out how to separate. It felt like a divorce. It was mm-hmm. devastating to me for a while. I was scared I was going to lose my business. I was scared As I had hoped. And so it got scary for a while. And then we finally came to a resolution. And in 2018, my business was mine again. And my life has dramatically changed since then. And I really have when you say like your podcast has found a voice, you have had a voice that has all happened in the last about year and a half.
0: I remember you and I had to call
1: together. We did. Yeah. Right when you were going through all of that. You were really helpful. Just all my fears, all my doubts. And you were such a good friend and just a sounding board. Like, you got this, girl. Like, you're going to get through this no matter what happens. So there were very few people I reached out to, John. So just a shout out to you. I appreciate Aww. you being in here for me. Yeah, any time.
0: And, I mean, so that's one of the things that was going through my mind while you were telling your story. We'll definitely get into how things have changed over the last year and a half, but that was one of the things I was curious about. So all of these men along the way, I mean, did you find that everyone was encouraging, everyone was rooting for you, or did you find that, I mean, was there ever a time where you – felt had come back where at least like maybe they didn't expect you to be able to do something
1: I felt very much held back with all the relationships with the men, but it was genuinely, and I would not tell you this if it weren't true, it was me and my insecurities. So I think if with my business partner, if I said, you know what? No, we're going to do it this way. Here's why I really feel convicted about this. I want to have this voice. I want to go more personal and vulnerable, whatever. I really do believe he would have been like, whoa, okay, this, I've never seen the side of you, but oh, okay. Okay. I was too afraid. I would think I thought he thought I was making a bad business decision. It was stupid. I was being too vulnerable like I'm a super emotional girl and anytime I cried in front of him, I'm pretty sure I freaked him out. So I tried not to be emotional with him even though that's just my tendency. And so I hid who I was. Genuinely it was not his fault, it was mine, but I played smaller. That was like how I was feeling and you didn't cry in front of my dad either. And so that kind of stuff made its way into my business. And I say this and I feel embarrassed to tell you this, but I tell you this because I think so much of our upbringing and our experiences, no matter, I don't think anyone can say that business is not personal because you bring your whole self into an online business that you create and the personal side is going to come through. And if it doesn't, you'll never resonate with your audience anyway. So I held that back, that part of me back and my voice back for so long. I wanted to try new things and do new things and talk about different things that I just didn't think he would be okay with. So I didn't even bring it up. So all those years, I really do believe I wasted years playing small. I didn't want to take up too much space. These guys were big. All the guys that I worked with had very big personalities and they were also very confident. So that came across as bossy. They love to tell me what I need to do and should do. Mm -hmm. And I let them. And so I just – something clicked. And I'm not a – and I'm not a I love men. I am not a a man basher in Mm -hmm. any way. And I have a husband who's very – he's a former Navy SEAL. He's a firefighter, like a manly man. I love male energy so very much, but I have to check myself and not let it dim my light or my voice. And for so long, I did.
0: I I really respect – I mean, I would have totally been open to you saying, yes, I felt held back. But what – what strikes me as very special about what you just said is how much responsibility you're taking for your own journey. And regardless of whether it's whether you're a man or woman or whatever, I mean, even me, people every now and again ask me, John, like how did you find the courage to just like, I mean, you were on Medicaid. How did you find the courage To just like move to another country, to move to Mexico and do all of these things. And uh, the biggest piece of that was like not being angry at the government, not being angry at society for not giving me the support I needed, but for finding a way to, for it to make it happen for myself. And you found a way eventually, but you grew and grew and grow to the point to where you had the confidence to go out and do it. And now looking backward, I don't hear any bitterness in you. All I hear is a sense of of responsibility, of being in charge of your own mindset, and also standing up for yourself.
1: Yeah, and I think that's probably how I was able to move past The heartbreak of the partnership not working out anymore or the fact that I knew I played a small, small game for so long is that I don't feel bitter. I'm not mad. And it's like I just said, okay, I'm going to be a different person. And I think you're right. When you take responsibility, you don't have to sit in the past as long as maybe others do because they are feeling like a victim. I didn't feel like a victim, so I was able to move forward more quickly.
0: Well, that's I mean, that's yeah, that's just awesome. So I mean, let's talk about how things have changed. And this is exciting for me, because like the last long conversation you and I had (laughs) was that conversation Uh when you were going through all of that. So I'm excited to hear.
1: Yeah. What's changed? What's changed? So I've always said when I was in a partnership, actually, I always said, I don't want a big team. I don't want a big team. And be Coming from corporate, I, I didn't want to manage a bunch of people. I didn't want to have to deal with all the stuff that comes from building a business and taking full-time employees. So I always said that up until the time that the partnership ended. And then when the partnership ended for some reason, it was like there's this voice in my head that said, game on, like, let's bring it on. Let's do some big things. So I went into instant action mode. And all the creativity, for some reason, was like a, a floodgate opened up. And I had ideas about how to make my digital courses better, how to make my audience bigger, what kind of team I wanted. So I got to work. And one of the things we first started to do was grow our team. And so we brought on more community management, customer support, marketing, operations. Like over the last year and a half, we went from four full time employees to fifteen full time employees, wow. which was a little too fast. And you know this because I told you, uh, I'm kinda losing my mind and you uh-huh. had made a great suggestion with the EOS system. And we've adopted it since you gave me that great recommendation, changed our our business overnight. But I grew my team, and so then when we had the infrastructure to do so, we started to double down on uh, the podcast and and making it better. I I took two digital courses that I had, one about how to create a digital course and one about how to use webinars to sell a digital course, and I combined it into something called Digital Course Academy – It felt good to put it together. I knew what my audience wanted, and it's been a hit and has only gotten bigger. We've launched it twice. We're on our third launch coming up. And so – I knew I was so clear. I had a clear head, a clear mind, a clear heart. I knew what my audience wanted. I knew what I could deliver. So we created that program. We built the team and we got very clear on our avatar. And we realized who she is. Although I've got men in my audience as well, I'm primarily, my audience is primarily women. So we got very clear on who our podcast listener is, and when she grows into creating a business, who our avatar is to buy the digital course program when she's ready to do that. So we kind of created a few different avatars. I've never had it at that level. So now that I know her, I can create for her. And when you know your avatar well and you can create for her, it's that's when the floodgates really open up because the ideas are endless. Mm-hmm. So these are some things that we've done along the way. I hate to ever sound like it's all great. 2019 was my most difficult year because of the growth of the team and not knowing how to be a good leader and people freaking me out to have a team like that that I felt very responsible for. Like there's this voice like you're paying for them to put food on the table. Like your business is putting food on their table. You better not mess this up because you have people relying on you. Like I had to do some coaching around that one. Uh Yeah. So there's been some major growing pains. I wouldn't change it for the world, though. I needed the to get uncomfortable. That's one thing I learned from Tony Robbins. When I worked for him, he used to tell these stories about when people finally got uncomfortable is when they finally started to grow. And I'll tell you, 2019 was my year of getting uh, really uncomfortable.
0: I'll have to say, too, I was actually asked yesterday by um, Brian Kurtz who. Used to run a huge company called Boardroom, that oh, yeah. did like over a billion dollars in sales yeah. a year. And he asked, like, "What's your biggest mistake or your biggest regret?"
1: Oh, I'm dying! He
0: said. And I told him, "Not learning to be a good leader fast enough."
1: Amen, brother. <laughs> I hear ya.
0: That's what it was. It took me so long. To be able to get there. I mean, for me, I I never had, I guess, the hesitancy to step out into the spotlight. But I did have the hesitancy to step up and be the leader, to stop being just a writer and to become a sea guy that could steer the ship and being the person behind the scenes guiding everyone else along. And that was such a hard thing for me, Yes. doing that. But the growth, not only in the business, but also just personally, especially if you get to that point, as I mean, I've only recently gotten here in the past year or so out to where I feel comfortable in that role after going through years of the discomfort (laughs) you just talked about, I guess. I guess even comfort, it's still not very comfortable. I'm confident. In yes. That. I know how to run the company. I know how to be a good CEO. And also to feel that confidence reflected back at me by the people who work with me. That's a very special thing.
1: It really is. but. I know this is not a podcast where I get to ask you a bunch of questions, but I am dying to know. <laughs> what, do you, what do you think was one of the most difficult things that you had to learn or overcome or just master in order to say, I'm confident as a CEO of my business? Like, what was that one big thing?
0: So a few things had to happen. Uh, the biggest one is my identity had to shift. Mm. I always, like, if you ask me who I am, what I do for a living. I would say I was a writer, a blogger. And for a time in my career, that identity served me. Yes. I definitely viewed myself as an artist and still do to some degree, but eventually I had to change my identity to CEO, to the boss, like in all capital letters. And that was a really difficult shift to me because I felt like that meant I had to sacrifice all of my artistry and every, all of my passion and creative energy, which was totally not true. But I felt like I had to kill the old me to become the new me. And I didn't, but I did have to accept a new level of responsibility and also realize that you can only impact so many people by yourself, that if you really want to grow big, a big part of that is building a great team who's ready to go there with you.
1: Yes. Yeah. So true. The identity part, that's interesting. I could totally relate. I bet a lot of your listeners can as well, because as we're building our businesses, we are doing, in our industry, whatever that is, I have um, a chief marketing officer. She's been with me five years. She recently was promoted to that role from marketing director. So she's really taken a big step in the position to find her way as the chief marketing officer and build the team around her. And we went to a get together where she was doing an offsite with just the marketing team. And so I came in the night before to say hi to everybody. And then she's doing her own thing today with them. But when I came in, I realized they have their own private jokes. They see her as their leader. They have a relationship with her. And of course, they're super respectful and wonderful to me. But she's leading them. And I thought, holy cow, this is exactly what I wanted. But. It feels weird this is a this is a different ball game than I was used to even a year ago, so you do have to let go to let other people really shine and and take the reins
0: you do, and I mean so this is i mean to take it back to your discussion of yeah, and so you've had this gradually stepping into the spotlight, yes, and then now building this team behind you and one of the things you said is like this responsibility for putting food on the table yes that's a very masculine thing to say it
1: really is that's so funny but yeah these are the things i think about like i am responsible and i don't really think that's the serving me well to kind of think that way but i struggled with that in the beginning
0: i mean the I do have to say, though, and for anyone else who goes on this journey and achieves some level of success, I mean, hiring someone, probably the hardest part for me, and I think most entrepreneurs, even if it's you know your first assistant, is when you hire them, you realize I'm now responsible for this person.
1: Yes, exactly. That scared me, very much so. Yeah, and the
0: more people you hire... <laughs> More it scared. Just, it just <laughs> gets built and builds, And like nowadays, like I remember when our payroll was building. I mean, our payroll was like 80 something thousand a month. Yes. Now and make this amount of money for everyone to get paid and it used to make. And it has to be made every single month.
1: Every single month. And because we're in building an online business, it's just different and sometimes unpredictable. And so, where my head went for a very short time before I literally got coaching around it was, okay, what if I have a, a launch that doesn't do well? What what if the technology goes down? Like, what if we we don't continue to make the kind of money that we typically make? And there's tons of what-ifs we could do. We could do a what-if every single day of our lives around our businesses. That doesn't mean it's going to be true. And what I learned was if it is true, let's put some safeguards in place. So one, I had to live with the uncertainty and unknown of, yeah, anything could happen. But mm-hmm. number two, one thing that did help me because I'm a safety kind of girl, I, I like a little cushion, I started to build up a business savings account. And yeah. and I did this over time, but eventually I put enough in there that right now I I bet it would be like eight months that if the business didn't make a dollar, I could literally support my entire team. That's and really I good. Yeah, and I'd like to get it to a year. This is something new we just started, but I thought, what would make me feel good? And that's one thing that would make me feel good. I, I'd rather pay myself a little less and build up that savings account so I could kind of sleep at night a little bit better.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's one of our rules. I mean, I definitely, we don't have eight months at the moment. We're below somewhere between two and three at the moment we used to be over three
1: yeah
0: but the it's one of the rules we made unless we're at three then all profit stays in the business we so
1: smart i like that yeah Yeah,
0: because that's like the minimum safety net for us so yeah i mean you do figure out little things like that to help yourself sleep at night Um, for sure so i mean what would you say i mean we've covered a few different stages here we've I mean, there's the stage of working a day job and moving out to doing this on your own. I mean, that's a big shift. Yeah. Th- then there's the shift of or even like just doing even if you have a partner or you're working with another brand, which a lot of people follow that path. I mean, I worked with blogger for years. That's right. And there were they definitely did not hold me back. I actually learned a lot. So I think there is a certain there's a certain value to maybe being behind someone for a little while.
1: Agree, a hundred percent. While you're
0: learning. Yep. And, and then from there stepping out into the spotlight, and then from there building a team around you. And on all of these stages, there's a new identity shift. There's new confidence you have to gain. What would you say? To someone, I mean, I I guess first, which of those identity shifts has been the hardest for you? And what would you say to someone going through the same thing?
1: I think the biggest identity shift would definitely be exactly what you expressed, stepping into the CEO of my company and not necessarily making it all about me, 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 but building leaders within the business. Yeah. That's probably been the, the biggest shift for me. And it's funny because you and I both are still the face of our businesses. So it's mm-hmm. like this well, a personal brand with our names. That whole transition and journey for me has felt uncomfortable and different and weird. And so it's probably been the most difficult.
0: I mean, what's interesting, too, so my current coach right now is Alex Sharfen.
1: Oh, for great things.
0: Uh, yeah, Alex has been uh, another life changer for me. And he's also become a personal friend. And one of the things that he says over and over again, the way that you know that you're successful is the day you become a passenger in your business instead of the driver.
1: Whoa, that's heavy stuff because that's a big transition for sure. And I totally agree with it. But that's scary. Even hearing that when you tell me that, John, I'm like, <laughs> oh, my heart beats a little fast. yeah. yeah. I'm still not
0: quite to the point where I feel like a total passenger. I'm realizing that's where I need to go. And and also, I mean, that means you have to train up other people to drive. And trust. Said, yeah, and the trust. Yes. So, so true. To know that and also to hear from other CEOs of companies that have grown large, um, they say the same type of thing. It's really interesting. I guess what's helpful for everyone to hear, and what I'd like to drive home if you're listening to this is, you know, I mean, whether I I think, I mean, like I said, Amy is a hero to a lot of women, but also whether you're a man or a woman, just the confidence of these transitions you have to make. It's so easy for all of us to feel like, oh, these other big people, they don't ever deal with any of the same fear. They don't ever let, let their own doubts hold them back. And we totally do. We totally oh, yeah. do.
1: Oh, I love that you have a, a coach as well as I do. And me, 11 years into this, like, I meet with my coach every single week. Like, there's things that it's a dark place in my mind sometimes that I need to get need to get things straightened out. So, yeah, for sure. Still deal with that. Yeah. And there have even been times
0: there was a time like Alex. I mean, what happened? I I was actually supposed to come to his birthday party, and my life fell apart. All kinds of horrible things happened in the same week. And I didn't show up to his birthday party and didn't say anything. Mm. And he called me and just left a message and said, I missed you. Are you okay? And I called him back. And just to have someone yes. there who's been through and can redirect you when you need to be redirected, and also to not go to your team sobbing. To have someone outside of the company you can go to sobbing, it's really helpful. And none of us get there without those occasional breakdowns and without also having the encouragement and support of other people along the way.
1: One hundred percent. I've had my moments, my breakdowns, my sobbing, crying with my coach. So I agree. And I love that you said you can't go to your team with that kind of stuff. As a leader, we we have to really be careful of that because it puts a lot of pressure on them in in some really weird ways. So I've learned that mistake as well. So yeah, always learning.
0: Definitely. It never stops. No. It never, never. stops. So regardless of what stage you're yeah. in, I mean we kinda mapped it out for everyone. But, I mean, there you have two people who have been at least moderately successful um, that are saying it's okay to be scared. It's okay to struggle with your confidence. It's okay to break down every now and again. It's just part of the journey. It is. Well, this has been such a great interview, Amy. If everyone wants to connect more with you, What's
1: the best way to do that? Well, thanks so much for asking. I knew it was going to be a great chat because this felt like I called you up and said, hey, let's chat about stuff. This (laughs) is what our conversations are like. So this has been really fun. But I appreciate you asking. I have a podcast called Online Marketing Made Easy. That's where I share the most of the content that I teach. So um, you can check that out.
0: All right. Well, thank you so much. And we'll see everyone again on the next episode of Breakthrough the Noise.